G'day, welcome along to another sermon from Good News Christian Church in Howrah, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Bernard Kane, I'm the pastor. Get in touch sometime at goodnewschristianchurch.org or why not come by one Sunday morning. For now, here's the sermon. Yeah, the end of the year. Here we are, last uh, sermon of the year, last, um, last Sunday of the year, in that in-between time between... Um, Christmas and New Year's, well, Christmas and Australia Day, really, everything sort of shuts down for quite a while, doesn't it, um, for this month or so. Um, I've got a, a couple of reflections to begin with before we pray. So, in 12 months' time, here's my guarantee to you, as we face the new year, in 12 months' time, you will be 12 months closer to the return of Christ. You will be. That's my guarantee to you. 12 months closer to the return of Christ. And that is the frame, that is the perspective, that's the lens for John as he writes here in 1 John chapters 2 and well, the whole of his letter, our scripture reading this morning. So, but for the return of Christ, unless Jesus comes back in the intervening time, in 12 months' time, you will be 12 months closer to the return in glory of the Lord Jesus Christ to judge and to save. That's my guarantee. So, my question is, will you, in 12 months' time, be 12 months closer to Christ's character? I can't guarantee you that. Will you be 12 months closer to Christ's character? Um, I must admit, I'm not particularly a New Year's resolution kind of a person, um, don't misunderstand me, I do have plans, there are things that I'd like to do next year, you know, I hope that next year is a year of progress um, for us. I've got intentions, I think t- 2019, it holds promise, um, God willing, for a whole bunch of stuff that I'm hoping goes really well, things here at church and uh, things at, at home and in my personal life, um, I don't intend to waste the year by any means, uh, but I'll say this, I do, are, you a, are you a resolution-y kind of person? Because I do admire about the New Year's resolution kind of people, the the clear-headed, kind of snappy-minded, you know, those resolution-making souls who approach the year with such a sense of conviction and drive and they know what they're going to get done and gosh, they probably will, you know, are you one of these people? I don't know, maybe, maybe, they know exactly what they want to get done. And there's just something about it, the discipline, I think, of putting it into words. I feel like they're already ahead of me uh, before they've even begun the year. They know what success looks like, they know where they're going, they don't even seem trapped or stalled or stymied uh, as the chaos and craziness sets in come February, uh, at least if they stick to it. So, in 2019, you see, this time next year, you will be 12 months closer to Christ's return. Will you be 12 months closer to Christ's character? Have you thought about that, planned about that, resolved that that should be the case, whether you're a New Year's resolution person or not? Because the Bible has plans for you this year, has plans for your life, has plans for your character, um, and for this sermon, I'd just like to ask whether or not we've, whether or not you've fully taken those plans into account as we look toward a new year under the grace of God. So that verse uh, that Katie began with, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, um, and now, dear children, John writes to these believers, continue in Him so that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. Let's pray together.
Our Father in heaven, firstly, we recognise with immense thanks and wonder at your kindness to us again over the past year. You are our God who has provided, who has protected, who has drawn near and has held on to us through this year. You are the God who has showered good times and good things and good people and good gifts upon us, week in and week out. God, through happy times and hard times. Father, thank you for 2018 and the year that you've sustained us through. Thank you that we are 12 months closer now to the return of Christ than we were this time last year. What a glorious thought that is. So now, Father, as we turn our gaze ahead and as we do so with your word before us, would you please inspire us again with our Lord Jesus? May we sit humbly before him as we plan and think and scheme and resolve and dream for our lives, may our fears and our anxieties find their place before him under his watchful and caring and active eye. Um, lead us this morning, would you please, toward 12 more months of Christ-honouring, Christ-imitating, Christ-empowered life before you. And in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Um, so one of the things that I find refreshing about John's writing, please um, have one John open in front of you if you're following along on your lap. One of the things I find refreshing about John's writing is that he's crystal clear about what it is that he expects Christians to do, the standard of behaviour, the what, the behaviour, the, the practicality of the Christian life. He's crystal clear about what Christians are to do because he's crystal clear about why we should do it the why, the basis, the reasons. Now, we'll come back to and we'll concentrate mostly on the what um, in this sermon, in this passage, um, but here's the why, here's the basis, here's the reason. Um, let's put this in the broader perspective of the letter of First John. See, for John, here's why our year, here's why our plans, our lives are to take the shape that they really must um, here's why every Christian this year has a rock-solid reason to live differently than they presently are and they have in the past, to approach our year differently to the world around us um, with their resolutions and plans. It's very simple. It's the start of his letter, so 1 John chapter 1, just flick back a page if you're following along on your lap. And John's talking about Jesus, of course. John's own life has been turned upside down, turned on its head, turned around, will never be the same because of Jesus. 1 John chapter 1 um, and verse 4, uh, verse 1, sorry, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, he's talking about Jesus, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Uh, now, John's got a bit of a funny turn of phrase there, um, hasn't he? It's, that's certainly true. But are we in any doubt at all from that opening paragraph of his letter as to what it is that's turned his life upside down? What it is that's taken hold of it, the event, the person that he's met, that has changed his direction in life, not just for a year, but for all of his earthly years and indeed into eternity. Why he feels he must live differently 
and has been set on a different direction, we're in no doubt at all. It's Jesus. We've seen him. We've, we've touched him. We've heard him. We have fellowship with him and eternal life thanks to him. And that means we have fellowship with you, brothers and sisters, in the Lord. And we're going to have that fellowship forever. See, for John, a changed approach to life springs from, there's the basis, there's the reason, there's the why, springs from Jesus. He is John's foundation for life and everything that he calls for in the lives of believers uh, thereafter. So, John may not have been facing a new year as he penned these words, um, but I guess I want us to see this much. John knew that very often what we Christians need is a reminder of why. It filled John with joy to write to Christians, to remind them, to shape their lives with crystal clarity around the why that is the appearance of Jesus in the world ahead of his return to judge and to save. And so turning to our text then, Christian, do you realise that you have four, I'm calling them what's, I suppose, the, the what, the outpouring, the four helps, you could say, four ways to express in your life uh, as you, uh, Jesus, as you face the year ahead. Four ways which I think help cut through some of the chaos as the year gets underway. Carve through some of the craziness, chart a course for the year ahead with simplicity before the Lord Jesus. Uh, and the first of these, um, these what's, these helps, these practical expressions um, is, is quite obvious actually. It's right there in the first verse of our text today. It's a call to continue. Let's take a look together. A call to continue. Uh, we're going to move fairly swiftly through these four helps. Um, so take a look. Chapter 2, verse 28 with me please. Where John writes, And now, dear children, continue in Him, in Jesus continue in him so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. So if you're a Christian already, you have Christ. Not just that you have him, you are in Christ already. And John is saying start there and stay there for goodness sake. Uh, Please notice John doesn't say It's great that you've got Jesus, but gosh, you need an awful lot more in life if you're going to make it through in any kind of significant way. It's great that you've got Jesus, now move on to something else. As you think about your year ahead, perhaps you're a planner, perhaps you have some anxieties or fears about the year ahead, do you ever feel that you are held back, that your very life itself hangs on getting something else in life, that your significance and purpose, the the way your year is going to pan out in terms of whether it's a success or a failure, hangs on you getting something other than you already have. John is saying, continue, you already have the most important thing, continue in Christ, you're where you need to be, stay there, you've got what matters. It might be the health that we want, It might be that someone special that we desperately want or that job or that skill. It might be just the recognition that we crave for things that we've already done back then. Now, you may get those things this year, but what you must have is Christ. Continue in Him, says John. And notice too, John doesn't say, it's great that you had Jesus in the past. You were in Jesus back then. But now you've moved on and that's okay. No, no, no. 
And John doesn't say, just look, you know what, you, you started in Jesus, but now just coast, just kick back, fit Jesus in to your year ahead, if you can, where you can. Mate. No, no, no. Continue in him, is John's message to us. Here's the call. Christian, will you continue in him this year? Will you? Will this be a year defined by where you already are in Christ? Defined by you remaining in him, continuing in him. Is that the year ahead for you? I hope so. So, we hear a call to continue. Secondly, every Christian shares a confidence that compels us, a confidence that compels us, a confidence that is, that Christ is coming back. Um, Verse 28 talks about a different confidence, which is not the one that I'm going to concentrate on just yet, uh, that Christ is coming back. In 12 months, we will be 12 months closer to Christ's return. Um, It comes up twice, this theme of a confidence that Jesus is coming back that really compels us. So, uh, in verse 28, you do see the idea there. And now, dear children, continue in Him so that, what does it say? So that when He appears, we may be confident, there's the other confidence, uh, confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. So, continue in Him so that when He appears, and chapter 3, verse 2, dear children... Now we are children of God, what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when He appears, we should be like Him. It's a certainty for John, isn't it? It really, it is coming. Now, could it be, brothers and sisters, that the confident assurance of Christ's return in our own minds and hearts has been the missing ingredient in our pursuit of the character of Christ in our lives? you see? Could it be that the missing ingredient in our pursuit of Christ's character in my life, putting off sin, putting on godliness, the missing ingredient has been a confident assurance. Jesus is coming back. It's a matter of when, not a matter of if. In, in 12 months' time, never mind 12 months, in one month's time, in one week's time, in one day's time, I'm going to be a little bit closer to his return. Since you know he is coming back, Uh, You'll confidently stand before Him unashamed when He appears. What a wonderful thought. Has that kind of confidence been a little lacking in our mental and and sort of spiritual landscape, our prayerful landscape, our personal convictions over the past year? So thirdly, so firstly, continue. Secondly, the, the confidence of His return. Thirdly, character of a child. Thirdly, what what helps us become more like Christ and ready for His return? Thirdly, we will be helped to realise and remember that we already belong to Him. We already, we really already belong to Christ. We are His children. The character traits of our Heavenly Father belong to us, even if they don't come naturally to us still. Um, and that last bit is so crucial if we, if we just stick at it all this year. They may not come naturally to us, but those character traits belong to us still. Let's take a look together from verse 29. Chapter 2, verse 29. If you know that He is righteous, speaking of Christ, if you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God And that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we are will 
uh, sorry, what we will be hasn't yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he, Christ, is pure. Folks, have you failed in the last 12 months to cultivate the kind of Christ-likeness that befits a conviction that Christ is coming back? Have you failed in the last 12 months to cultivate the kind of Christ-likeness that befits a life of continuing in Him daily and hourly and moment by moment? Have you failed to cultivate the kind of Christ-likeness that Christ Himself would have you walk in because it's His Christ-likeness, because it is Christ-likeness, because it is His righteousness that He walked in and continued in each day of His life to His very cross. It is His character. Have you failed to cultivate Christ in your life in the past year as you ought to have done? Of course you have. And so have I. So what will you do when you fail this coming year? when you let yourself down this coming year, when you fall short this coming year to cultivate Christ's likeness. You see, the liberating power of of the Gospel in this paragraph for us, it has three things to say to us, three um, things to say about your character. Number one, it says so clearly that you are a child of God now. You are. He's taken you as, as His own. You have His character, not because it's displayed in you, but because He decided it. And that's an important distinction. You are a child of God, not because His character, His fatherly character, the family traits are are displayed in you, but because He decided it. You're His. And it is now a character you will grow into, just as a child grows into his parents, his or her parents' character. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. The second liberating truth here is the implication that you don't have His character yet. We're not there yet. Uh, What we will be, we know what we will, in in that uh, it's not known to the world yet, what we will be, we know because we've seen Christ. We know righteousness when we see it because we saw it not in ourselves, but in Jesus, verse 29, you know that He is righteous. And thirdly, you one day will have that project completed, that resolution. If you make it your resolution this year to become more Christ-like, there is a year coming when you'll make it. Not through your own effort, but because Christ will have returned. You will one day have that in yourself. We aren't on a wild goose chase as we pursue the character of Christ. We're not on a fool's errand looking for righteousness and godliness and striving after it, even though we know that we're going to fail and stuff it up. No, chapter 3, verse 2, we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Now, does the fact that um, you failed and you will fail and you do fail, does that sap your enthusiasm to cultivate Christ's character in your life because it's so hard and you look around the world and you know what? Plenty of people just aren't really trying that hard or at all to be like Christ. Does that sap your enthusiasm sometimes? You feel you're on your own. Well, then fourthly and lastly, the fourth help for us is this. Please know this. If Christ-likeness is strange, 
and hard and challenging in this world for God's children, then how strange it must appear to those who are not God's children and haven't seen the righteousness of Christ and don't know where it's all going. Give your year, will you, to cultivating a contrast in your life with the world that knows not Christ. That is what we're being called to in this. It is a call to a life that is Christ-like, which is to say, contrasts with the world around you. Don't let that aspect wear you down, Christian, because it's to be expected. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. So how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure." Brothers and sisters, you know, don't you, that Christ is coming back. Not everyone knows that. Brothers and sisters, you know, don't you, the character of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, His righteousness, the beauty of His life. Not everyone knows that. You know, don't you, brothers and sisters, that every day spent cultivating His character in our lives is a day spent well. It's not just a day, a day closer to the return of Christ. It's a day closer to the character of Christ in us by His work in our very lives. We'll close with this. According to a story by Oz Guinness, uh, the Connecticut House of Representatives was in session on a bright day, not unlike this day, I suppose, in May 1780, And the delegates were able to do their work by natural light. But then something happened that nobody expected. Right in the middle of debate, there was an eclipse of the sun and everything turned to darkness. Some of the legislators thought it was the second coming. So a clamour arose. People wanted to adjourn. People wanted to pray. People wanted to prepare for the coming of the Lord. But the Speaker of the House had a different idea and rose to the occasion with sound logic and good faith. We are all upset by the darkness, he said. And some of us are afraid. But the day of the Lord is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there's no cause for adjournment. And if the Lord is returning, I for one choose to be found doing my duty. I therefore ask that candles be brought. And delegates who expected Jesus went back to their desks and resumed their debate. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we pray that this year would be a year of getting on with our work. Not our work of working our way to salvation, our our work that you've laid out before us of responding to your lavish grace. You've called us children of God and Father, we want to grow into that identity that you've lavished on us. Father, may this be just that kind of year. Our Father, you've made known to us truths that should shape our lives, that should take hold of our hearts, that should lead us in in an an entirely different direction to our friends around us and our neighbours. Father, we thank you that we know ourselves as your children because we've come to know Christ. God, what a mercy it is to know that your love 
goes ahead of us, to know that your love has reached out to us first, that it paves the way for us in life, forgives us in advance. Lord, we ask for more. Would you please give us this year a committed confidence in Christ that will clarify for, clarify for us and compel us towards a continuous cultivation of Christ's character in our lives throughout the year. May we show your mercy and grace to those around us when they stumble. May we learn your revulsion at sin in our own lives and hearts. May we keep hearing your fatherly voice in your word and dedicate ourselves to it and remind one another of it. May Christ shine from us and in us throughout the coming year and in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.